All right, that's it. Welcome back to the studio. This is Lagos Talks 91.3 FM. The program is the Saturday breakfast show. We takes you from 6 a.m. down to midnight out. <laughs> that's a very long time. I don't know why I'm saying midnight, but we takes you from 6 a.m. down to midday. And uh, But now it's time for us to get into that conversation where we have a chat about uh, events that are happening around us. And today we're launching straight to uh, Ocean State Oshobo, where we're engaging uh, you know, frontliners, people on the ground, and uh, CSOs, people who can give us impartial uh, feedback on the activities that are happening there. Uh, today, this morning, we're having a chat with uh, Jane CSE. She is the Assistant Programs Manager for Women's Situation Room, uh, a CSO a monitoring, uh, should I say, think tank that uh, is following the elections right there in Ocean State. Good morning, Jane, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me this morning. Great, great, great. So how, how was the, the mood in Oshun this morning? Uh, I would say the mood is that of enthusiasm, enthusiasm rather. And then people are anxious. There's this anxiety of, okay, let us go and vote. So like some reports we've been getting from uh, polling units and local government, our observers are observing. Okay. We see a great turnout of voters. People were there as early as 7 o'clock. Mm. Excuse me, waiting to cast their vote. So, the, and the the spirit of okay, we're having that little challenge. Okay, so uh, as it stands now, uh, you know, before the election started, uh, the week preceding this one, there were attacks on some candidates and. Uh, also, there were reports of cultists being arrested by the police yesterday. Now, what has that affected elections in any way at all? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. So far, did that affect? Yes, did that have, has that affected the turnout today in any way? Well, I wouldn't say a yes or a no to that because election starts by 8, 8.30 rather. Mm. And then this is just 9. So we haven't even gotten to the peak like 9, 10, 11, so to know if it will affect. So I feel it's too early to start judging if it will affect uh, turnout of voters. But like I said, the report we've been getting from our field observers is that there's a large turnout of voters on the field. And um, so I wouldn't know if the... Um, you know, usually once things like this happen... The issue of cultism, violence. So it's just to to save people from actually getting involved, coming out to vote, mm. to put instill the spirit of fear in them. So, but from the reports we've been getting, well, we had a um, good number of voters who are actually at the polling unit and ready to vote. Mm, so okay. I would say yes or no if the arrest of the cultists that happened uh, yesterday will affect the uh, turnout of the election because this is too early to to conclude oh. okay great but uh since elections uh voting started at 8 30 uh what has it been like 30 minutes into the exercise uh did uh we know the INEC shared uh, distributed some of the materials about two days ago started the distribution then where did these materials arrive at all polling uh units earlier enough to get the the election started or are there places where till now elections are yet to start Okay, so I can give uh, information. Hello. Okay, we're having that challenge with connection. And, uh, you know, uh, we are reaching out to uh, Jane CSC in right there in uh, 
uh, Ocean State. Hello. I can hear you. Yes, we can hear you now. Well, thank you for rejoining us. So, okay. give go ahead with the update. The network here is terrible. I can imagine. Okay, so yes, you have that to to local government areas of the state. And then before that, we've gotten after this morning. So, we got that as of 8.15, some polling units have started voting already. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, that's to say, INEC, INEC got there on time. On time. So, mm. not to say all local governments have started voting already, but some local government, at least about 40% of... Uh, of the calls we've gotten from our observers today they started the voting process in their polling units mm, okay and for yeah. clarity's sake uh you you there are uh 30 uh local counts i mean local government areas in that both lcds and lgs um how many of the polling units there do you have um your observers do you have observers in each polling? how many do you have out there just so our listeners okay, can have understand a total of 60 observers Okay. Which are distributed across the 30 local governments of the state. And then what we did is we identified with a threat analysis to identify possible hotspot areas. Hmm. Then we deployed more observers to those areas which are identified to be a possible hotspot zone. And then others will have like two observers in a local government. You know, it's not possible for one observer to cover Everything. the entire local government. Definitely. Definitely. So we have in some local government to some local government to have five, in some hmm. we have four. And some we have six, so that's just how we just uh, spread it across. Okay. All right. Now let, let's let's look at this. Uh, since you mm-hmm. are the women's situation room, uh, you're operating right now from Oshobu, I believe. Yes. All right. Let, let's look at women participation in this, and starting with uh, participation, not just at the polling unit in vote in terms of uh, voting, we'll get there. But uh, how pleased are you with women participation in terms of? Uh, fact that knowing there is no female governorship candidate well we honestly are not uh, it's not we are not pleased with that because it's more like we are moving backward and how it was in the last uh, election so in this election, election we don't have there's no female candidate but we have female deputies from hmm. uh, ADP, NRM, NNPC and, and the rest so this it, it, this this uh, speaks a whole lot that there's still a long way to go for women participation in in political processes. You understand me? So if for a governorship election there is no female candidates and we have 15 accredited uh, political parties and there's no female candidates from there, but we have them as deputies. We have six as deputies and no major party has a female deputy. So we obviously are not are not happy with with it. So. From the, um, the list of registered voters that I like that we, we, we got, the targeted data is women were about 50, 52.7% wow. of women who uh, collected their PVC. So if we have this number of people, we have women who are, the number of women were higher than the number of men who collected PVC. And then these women are not even involved in the main political process. So it is like relegating the women to just, we are not, women are not substantively participating. So when it comes to the main participation, we don't see women there. We only see them as just sober, supporters, supporters. So this this is, it's not going really well with us. And then we're still looking towards 2023 and then 2027 elections. Possible we'll election afterwards. But but having identified the strength of women, over fifty-seven percent of women uh, haven't collected their voters' card, the PVCs in Ocean State. Now, 
we know the challenge we have with uh, vote buying. But where there is a buyer, uh, there must be a seller. Yes. So um, knowing that women make up the majority and, of course, the youth as well, what, which specific steps have you taken, I mean, to curb uh, vote selling in this day's election? And what has, how has that yielded results? Okay, for uh, before now, prior to now, rather, we had some pre-election activities in the states, and then part of which were a consultative dialogue and a peace walk. So the peace walk was built to sensitize women, and we did it in collaboration with women who work in the National Council of Women's Societies, uh, one, which is a tradition of Muslim Women Association of Nigeria, and then work with FIDA, and then other MBAs and other CSOs group as well in the states. So the aim was to... Sensitize women on the need of don't do. There's no need telling your vote. Like they call it Yoboko Sibe. You selling your vote today, the, 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 it has a ripple effect for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it not, doesn't matter how. Yeah, Yoboko Sibe. So yeah. That that is what these people are using to induce this vote, uh, the voters to sell in their vote. Mm. But we carry the sensitization to let them know that okay, it's not just you selling this vote. What comes as the ripple effect of this is greater than what you are being paid now to do. And okay. then the uh, women group we work with, most of them did step down, because they had to do step down sensitization and training for their uh, women groups too as well across the the states. Mm. So they also did this. And we are expecting and highly hoping that... Yeah, okay. The, the network is quite quite bad. Yes, that most few women say and selling their votes. Yes. Mm. So that's... That's really what we've, we've done. That's that. Okay. But as of today, um, you say the people are out on the streets ready to vote. Uh, what is security like? Uh, security, are they present? We know there is a distance they must keep from the voting area. But in town, what is their presence like? Yes, we've seen a real show of force and militarization, militarized masculinities all over in the uh, city of <clears throat> Ocean State, Noshogo capital rather so in Oshun as the whole and then you know she was armed presence in Oshobo so we've seen a huge influx of security persons police military NSTDC and then yeah because even though we had uh we had, I was at a security uh press briefing with the DIG uh Sir John Sinukokumo and he informed uh, the people that the commission has deployed both land air and marine security personnel mm. and I said yesterday I, I saw about two choppers flying over uh, Oshobo town. Then you, from one point to another, you're seeing military checkpoints, you're seeing uh, police people all fully kitted and stand by for the election. Mm. And then as of today, to reports we've gotten from our observers on the field is that the presence of the military, um, road safety, and then uh, police and the NSCDC. And also for some of, like we have from NSCDC and police, we had some women, uh, women security personnel as well. Although we had a larger number of men representatives than female representatives from NSTDC and the Nigeria Police Force. But yes, they are at uh, several polling units. Mm. But doing their job by in, in your view, is that a good thing or do people feel intimidated? Hello. <coughs> yeah, hello? sorry about that. Yeah. You want to take some water? Hello? Yeah, hello. Can you hear us? No, I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. great. I'm asking that, in your view, is that a good thing that we have this heavy presence of uh, security or do people feel intimidated? 
I, I, w- I would say yes and no to that because having a heavy presence of security personnel creates a form of fear in people because I was asked as a meeting yesterday and then someone raised this issue that oh that's there's militarized men every you know like yes yes so that people will get scared of oh, you're going to and then you're seeing security persons all kitted looking scary in their uniform but the second part is these people are here to do their job they wouldn't have been deployed if uh, security analysts have not been carried out by the responsible security agencies to also uh to enable them to deploy these persons to to the states so mm. I don't even get my point. Yeah, so I do. I do. So, form of fear, mm-hmm. and then knowing the sense that they are actually here to do their job to keep and uphold peace and security. Yeah, but uh, you've been at different security briefings uh, since uh, the build-up to this election, and one will wonder which. Sorry, I, I didn't get to come again. Okay, can can you hear me? Am I clearer now? Hello. Hello. Can you hear yes, me? I can hear Okay, great. You. You, you've been at different security briefings since uh, the build-up to this uh, election started. And uh, as the the security agents, have they been in uh, explicit in really giving out maybe the intel they've gathered and why this election needs such a focus? I lost you at some point. All right. Can, can you, am I better now? Am I clearer now? Yes, I lost you at giving out intel. Yes, which uh, which was the explanation the security agencies have given? Uh, any specific reason that makes this election different, or is just the general, uh, you know, security uh, protocol for every off-season election? Hello. Okay. Yes, I'm. I'm with you. Okay. So you know that, uh, like we, we we mentioned earlier, that yeah. there was a rate of cultists. Uh, yesterday, yes. So there's a high presence of courses attacking the state, and then we're not just looking at uh, for Oshuta that's holding 2023 elections too as well. So uh, the the justification that was given <coughs> during the press briefing was to uphold peace and security, and then with the two factions, the sitting governor party, and then the, you know what happened in 2018. So. I think that's basically why we have more security persons in the state. So not just to go into, to dive into all of that, but mm. that's the area they, they came from, yes. Okay. Now, a last question before we let you go. Um, with all that you've seen on the ground, are you confident that this election will be free, fair, and credible? We're having a uh, challenge with our connection, and uh, I don't know how we could get every part of Nigeria to have good connection. All right, she's back online. Thank you, Jane, for joining us. Um, I'm asking you this final question before I let you go, because I know today is quite a busy day for you. Yes, with... I, I, I got your question. I okay. got your question. Okay, great. So w- what's your feedback to that? Well, response. Hmm. Internet is really... All right. Can can you can you take that again, please? Now we could we lost you for a minute. Okay, I'm saying my confidence is lying on INEC, uh, the security agencies, because they have earlier given out their words to say, oh, INEC is the, uh, they've come out to say the election will be credible, free and fair. They've done all logistics. They will do. They will. Uh, they will ensure they put in their best to ensure we have. A cre- hmm. All right. 
Can well, you I, hear me? yes, you're back on now. We lost you for a minute there. <laughs> so I'm saying I'm building my confidence on INA because they had earlier stated and mentioned re, 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 repeatedly that they are working towards ensuring a credible, free and fair election. All right. And then for the security agencies as well, they have also come out to say they are working towards a peaceful, credible, free and fair election. So I want to hold them by their words to to be sure that at the end of our election today, we we'll have a credible, peaceful, free and fair. Election. election. So that's my confidence level. All right. Now, I know I said that was the last question, but I just remember that earlier on in the week, uh, there was a seeming expression of, uh, op- or should I say, oppression from the ruling party in the, I mean, the build-up to the the final rally where PDP wasn't given access to a particular facility they needed to use. Has there been any, uh, you know, semblance of oppression or intimidation or use of, you know, any kind of intimidation or force from the or power of incumbency right sorry, here. Sorry, sorry, I, I, I lost you, I lost you. Okay, so let me take this once again. There. Has there been okay. any obvious show or proof of uh, abuse of power of incumbency by the ruling party in Oshun State? All right, I think uh, this might be the best place to drop it now. Thank you so much, Jane. Uh, the line uh, is... Uh, drawing us back a bit and uh, we don't want to take too much of your time knowing that you have to monitor results for us to be current we'll follow up with you later on and we'll pray that you have a successful outing today Hello. you have a great time jane all right so i think uh, we uh, love jane there and this will bring that uh, to an end it is time for us to just uh, move over to the next uh, interview my guest already is in the studio is a known face with us here is a renowned analyst and uh, someone that understands nigeria because he has a passion for that great country and his name is uh Kunle laval good morning Kunle laval welcome to the studio good morning lagos of course it's always a pleasure to be here it's great to be with you again Cardi. all right and thank you for obliging us today we are quite excited to have you Thank you. All right, great. So let, let's look at this. And uh, we're looking at um, the uh, running mates. Running mates. And there's so much talk about running mates. There's so much focus on on running mates. And we're making it look like... I, I, I don't even know how, how, how we get that started. Um, where we'll even start this conversation from. But uh, while we know that we will be discussing running mates today, this week a lot of uh, the major parties have concluded the choice of running mates. The swap has been done, the outdooring has been done from the LP to the APC to the PDP to the NNPP and even uh, other parties like uh, the, the PRP. Uh, Colabiola and the likes. We're yet to really focus on that. But today we'd like to look at what it really means to have a running mate constitutionally, morally, and in every and any other way that we can uh, identify. But before we go into that, let's take this short break and we take this music from Sydney where it talks about uh, our money in Africa and what happens to it. Listeners, we'll be right back. It's a new.
All right, that's it. That's our. Uh, you just come back to the studio right now. Let's have that that conversation. African money or got the chopper basha basha. That's Sydney from uh, all the way from Ghana. We're just singing that today. It seems we have that problem all across Africa. People just don't believe government is doing their will. Um, for me, I think um, corruption is uh, um, has become more like a buffet table in Africa. So um, people don't hold other people accountable because they look at it that that if I hold, um, for instance, if I hold Coyote accountable, it generally means that when Kunle comes to power, Kunle will be held accountable and they don't want that. So nobody holds anybody accountable. We just wait for you to bid your time. So Africa is more like a buffet of cor- corruption. So everybody just waits for their turn for small chops. Let's just that <laughs> <laughs> what a way to describe Africa. But now talking running mates. Okay. Yeah. Talking running mates, and uh, we ju- just looking at this now that okay, all the running mates have been uh, selected, you know, and now the, the the die has been cast. We're ready to go into elections proper and have that say that have that conversation. Now, what really is the role of a running mate? Um, because we, we have so much talk about this, we spent weeks analyzing this. Okay, so um, first, constitutionally, we need to understand that a running mate is more like, how would I put it, a duplicate of the person that is running. So in any situation in which you'd have, you know, physical incapacitation of of the present candidate, second, um, any situation in which um, the the candidate cannot mentally also uh, discharge his duties as his or her duties as... um, Candidates that's governor, president, because this only happens with executive positions. What would what would automatically occur is that the running mate takes over. So we need to look at the running mate as a potential governor or president in waiting, and not like we look at it as a stooge that is just to say yes sir to the person in with the position. <laughs> okay, so having said that, now it seems there are two definitions to running mate. There is the constitutional definition, which is what you've spoken about now and talking about the vice president. You can look at section 131, section 141, 142, 51 or so, and I know 51, that. 51, yeah, yeah. So I know that. Now, but outside all this, it seems there is, uh, which other definitions are there? <laughs> you know, there's a new one based on the present electoral act. So at, at, I, I think what's causing the fracas right now is that we've, um, the the old timing, as allowed by the earlier electoral act, was primaries were conducted about October, and all vice president matters and um, deputy governor matters were sorted out all with governors to and um, presidents by December, and everybody jumped straight into elections. So there wasn't much time to discuss, you know, a lot of other things that were going on with um, with um, such decisions. But now what you have is that with the new electoral act, we have like we had like nine months to an elections when candidates were picked. That's after primaries. And then now we have till I think uh, till July 17 for substitution. Um, sorry, August 17 for substitution. Yeah. Now, this time has, of course, uh, brought out the placeholder syndrome, which is the new nickname, uh, I think, um, 
people are using for people in uh, government. Uh, sorry, people that want to deputize. And I think um, starting with the APC and other parties that have picked um, people who you'd call placeholders before picking their vice president, this has, of course, tilted up because the deadlines uh, with the new Electoral Act were stiff. Yes. And... It was a short time. If you notice, everybody scrambled to do their primaries. Mm-hmm. This, this were not how primaries were where before. Before, what you normally had was that you had like a three-month, win, two-month window for pe- uh, political parties conduct their primaries. Mm-hmm. Now you had a three-week window, which meant everybody had to conduct their primaries. And and you know Nigerians, it's not like we can't get this done in the relevant time we need mm-hmm. to do it. But we're Nigerians. We like to drag leg. You know us now, yeah. how we do with uh, BVN, NIN. Mm, Political mm. parties aren't any different. They like to drag leg. But but this time, with the present electoral act, they had to swing into action almost immediately. So um, the new uh, electoral act, of course, has put them in quite a conundrum with um, with um, picking um, people. that, were, And there was a stipulation for when vice, uh, the vice or a deputy governor was picked. So now you must meet the parameters, and it's all a short window. And this goes to show that um, the average Nigerian politician is not prepared, as we think he is, preceding an election. Hmm. Hmm. And okay, and 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 that's quite worrisome because it means when you say we're not prepared, what really does that mean? Let me understand that. Okay, so I go ahead. I, so I don't know how I would I will dream to be president of this country, or I will dream to be governor of a state. And I totally have no plan who my deputy governor or my vice president is. And that's where you have the lacuna between what is and what should be. Mm. One of the first things you should think is, okay, I'm going into this office. For me to be able to achieve this in this office, I should generally have uh, this person working with me. This person meets so-so inclusion parameters. This person meets. And, you know, there's also something I'm getting to see, which is, you know, kind, kind of painful. So even when you look at uh, the the like the situation in Oshun, okay, you 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 have very few. That's the election today. You have very few women in participatory yeah. position, and I think this this pushes down on what the constitution guarantees on inclusion, because the constitution clearly states that that if we we are deciding to pick someone, you know, within the electoral act, inclusion is one of the key things or key parameters. On which, which is why the Muslim Muslim ticket is causing such a fracas because yeah. it doesn't represent the inclusion that the constitution protects. Mm. So you have this situation where, where we just uh, no, we have politicians who have not really picked who they want to be mm-hmm. with. You you just say, okay, I want to be governor, but being governor is not just sitting in the seat. Yeah, now see. you must have a deputy governor. Mm. You must. That's how probably to take another politician six months before they pick a cabinet. Yeah, because uh, they're not planned. Yeah, they're not <laughs> well, planned. They, okay. they, so they think more about the position than, than they think about acting in the position. Which is a question I was going to ask you that when, and those people, really, okay, I was, before I even go into that, you spoke about them not knowing who they want as a deputy. Is it that they don't know or the party is trying to impose a candidate and they're negotiating on which one is the best? You see, sometimes... Um, we will say there are no totalities in any conversation. Hmm. So that, of course, is um, relevant and that, of course, can pass. But the situation we have in Nigeria is even if if you're going to run for office, you should at least have looked at the parameters. You should have been in the party long enough to know who the party would accept and hmm. who would run with you. Hmm. Uh, but when we have a situation where you have people that are, are moving parties like a musical chairs, 
uh, you should understand that that therein is a big problem. Uh, if you notice, I think they even do worse than the musical chairs. I believe they play the music for like <laughs> for three minutes. Those guys, those guys know? kind of move faster than the musical chairs. They just jump into chairs and try to change things. So if you were in the party long enough and you've planned to run for... You know, the thing is that there's a common thing with Nigerians and it's not only with old politicians, with young politicians. Till 2021... Yes. Nobody thinks of running for office in 2023. How that happens, I don't understand. I believe running for office should be a long process. And it should be something that you'd say, okay, in 2020, this is 2022, I intend to run in 2027. And you start now, you already know the party. You start working within the internal, the internal party democracy. You start getting close to delegates. You start doing what is necessary so that by 2027, there wouldn't even be competition. Mm. But what happens is that everybody waits and then it's like somebody just fires a gun sometime in 2021 and then everybody just, ah, politics is coming in 2023 and then we all start scrambling, 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 chasing delegates up and down, which is the reason why we have to bring out untold sums to, to, to toast mm. delegates. And then you have this whole situation where in the end, you, you totally don't even know what you're doing and it's, it's, it turns into a madhouse. We saw what happened in the primaries, in the ADC, in the APC, mm-hmm. in the PDP. Mm-hmm. I think the only peaceful primaries we had was the Labour Party Labor because party, even yeah. with the SDP, there was a little, you know, Nigerian, you know. Now, Nigeria happened to uh, them. Nigeria mm. happened to them. And, you know, and, and, you know it's crazy. So I, 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 I'd love to see a situation where our democracy will go to a point where people have made intentional decisions to run for office. I think it would be better for you to spend less. If you've thought in 2022, I'll be running in 2027, and you've already started meeting with the party, meeting with people on the ground. This is how I want to do it. This is how I intend to change it. This is what this guy is doing. Let me know what I should do better. And then, you know, you are actually interacting with them. And then by the time other candidates want to do the scramble, you're already maybe six laps ahead mm. in the really. I, I was going to pose a question, but from what you're saying now, correct me if I'm wrong, what you mean is that the Peter Obi effect won't happen every election year. No, no, no. I, I think last time we saw a Peter Obi effect was um, kind of 2015 when we had more of a of a uh, what would I call it? A Buari, a, a Buari effect. A Say Baba effect. A Say Baba effect. Yes, and the Say Baba effect happened in 2015 and I don't remember it ever happening again in our democratic history. That's in the Fourth, the fourth Republic. Republic yeah. So, um, it will come once in a while. There's always that anomaly. There's always that chance that this is how this is going to be. There's always that push. There's always that parameter that some of this will happen. But um, till till probably, I I think I think it's even reminiscent of when we have an incumbent who has actually put the people in quite a quagmire. Mm. then that Peter will okay. be that black horse effect, effect. can now happen Thumbs in politics. Mm. And if, if you look at it generally, you uh, 2007 would have brought something like that because I think Donald Duke wanted to run for president. But then um, they were limited by not number of parties. The number of parties then were, I think, were about 10. But um, I think everybody was afraid of not being under the umbrella. And if I remember then, the incumbent uh, president, President Olusegun Obasanjo, was campaigning on like this incumbent. He was going everywhere with the umbrella, Yaradra. Even when Yaradra was in hospital mm. in a rally, Obasanjo would go to the rally, you call Yaradra, are you alive? I remember <laughs> that time. And then, you know, you have all those kind of situations. 
So I think um, the Obasanjo effect stopped that from happening in 2007. Okay. Right. But now in 20, 2007. Yeah. But now with with the present effect that we have with you know an incumbent who's leaving office, and whether we like it knowingly or unknowingly, um, the incumbent president has of course shown that um, he's doing something democratic which is trying not to infiltrate in part, meddle in party. Mm. Though his party doesn't seem to like it because they would have liked the soup, but I, th- I think it's, it's the actual more democratic thing to do. I also don't think he's doing it intentionally, but in the end, he's seeming more democratic, uh, mm. allowing the process free flow, which is why the black horse like Peter Obi can, can um, have a emerge mm. or uh, can cause such attraction, which we are looking at. And let's even look at it. The bar of governance in Nigeria, I think, has dropped really low. You have a National Assembly who passed an electoral act they did not read. And for me, that's the heights of... Well, <laughs> of I thought you were going to say it's raising a, a notch higher. Dropped low. Yeah, dropped low. They, so they passed the electoral act. And then, you know, the issue with the statutory delegates, yeah, delegates which... Mm-hmm. Which annexes them out of being delegates, which of course would ensure that, which has ensured that over forty percent of the national assembly is not returning. Mm. They wouldn't have passed that thing intentionally, so it means the national assembly actually did not read the electoral act. They just came out and said, "Couldn't yeah, it have I, been I, an oversight?" How an oversight made by? Okay, there are three hundred. You know, maybe they were they were can, in a hurry to please Kade, Nigerians. Let me, Kade, let me give you an example. Yes. Even if it were an oversight, let me tell you the number. You have 316 in the House of Rep. It went there first. Mm. Not one person saw that loophole. They passed it. After that, it went to the upper house, which is the Senate. There are 109 people there. Mm. They saw it. They passed it. You want to tell me 400 and, um, 469 people missed a line? Mm. Okay, you know, you know, there's been there's been this accusation that normally in the in a national assembly, not all of them participate. So it? maybe it's the few that participated that had that, and they are the ones who are paying the price now. But in a nutshell, is it not is it not in favor of the people? Yeah, yeah, kind kind of. You 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 love to say it's in favor of the people. You'd have been in favor in the, of the people if these delegates as they are, of course, emerge from the people. But that was if I and you participated. But no, we didn't. We, we did, don't join political parties. We've been singing PVC, PVC and thinking that's what election is all about. Forgetting the entire fact that if you're not part of the political party, you're just going to be having a selection and not an election. Mm. So we are, we are electing of those, the delegates selected for us. So you sit down in a position and you say, no, 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 just get the PVC. So if to say more of us, me, you, Kyle, we join political parties. We're part of it. We're part of the process. We'll be able to select those who emerge. And I don't think, Kylie, I, I, I don't think you collect uh, 20000 naira to, to... If you can convert it to maybe $200,000. $200,000. For each member of my family. Oh, uh, what, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke right here. But let, let's come back to the crux of the matter, which is the running mates now. Now, we the, the kind of attention we give to running mates... Um, Two questions in one. First of all, right, do politicians and uh, political parties choose the running mates that the people want or the running mates that can get them the ticket? Do they consider us when they're choosing? Wait, wait, wait. If I'm going to answer this, I'm going to I'm going to come from two angles. First and foremost, hmm. um, a political party is not a family. It's a union of interests. And the major interest is to clinch power. 
So these decisions are made strictly on how we can clinch the power basis and nothing else. Sometimes it is made on the interests of those who are funding the party. That's why I said Nigeria cannot have a clear democracy till we the people start funding one political party so that the godfather in that party is the people. Mm. And then the people are, of course, protected by the constitution. And we believe the constitution will also help protect. So those are the godfathers. So what we have in Nigeria is a situation where uh, Kunde and Kaode are funding a political party. And then uh, let's just say somebody, Chukunoso, for example. Chukunoso now decides to want to run for office. And Chukunoso, ah, this is that. Uh, and Kaode just say, ah, my daughter just got married to a fine young man. I think he will make a good deputy governor to you. And you can't say no because we're the ones funding your election. We're the mm. ones funding your entire process. So being part of a party... I've seen I've seen this kind of situation happen, and you know I've seen I've seen this kind of things happen, and you look at it and know that um, if you say if you say we had, which goes back to my earlier summation when I said if you had a trajectory before you started running for office, not the one you just wake up and you just say, okay, God told me um, <laughs> yesterday while I was sleeping that, that I was going to be the next governor or twentieth mm. president of of the Federal Republic of Nigeria and just wake up and wander around and, run office, and that's where you have that. This is no... Uh, All right. Let, let me come in here. Now, in the last three weeks, we've been talking so much about the, the running mates. And one question, you are the ones on the field. Ours is just to ask the questions. Now, do Nigerians know enough about their candidates for them to be demanding of a particular kind of uh, running mate. What I mean is, even the running mate we want, do we understand the capacity, the capabilities, the flaws, the past of a candidate? For us, who is the major selling point for us to now go ahead and now make demands of a running mate? Because if we don't, how well do we know the running mate? I've said this multiply and I've said this everywhere anyone has cared to listen. 85% 85% of Nigerians are politically illiterate. So they don't even understand, even those who claim to support. If you pull down an average, okay, why supporting this presidential candidate? Probably from the same region. You can almost tell. In fact, if you, t- if you tell me your name, I can almost tell you which presidential candidate you support. Mm. And if I hear you talking, I can almost tell. Most of the time, these decisions are made on emotion, regional bias, or ethnicity and religion. So it's it's normally one of the things. It's very, very rare for you to find someone who is not benefiting, who is not regionally affiliated, who is not religiously affiliated to a candidate and say, this is who I pick because these are his parameters. If you ask the average Nigerian, okay, uh, your candidate, what is his thought process on, let's say, let's say LGBTQ rights? Most people don't know that. Um, if you ask, okay, what's his thought process on... on um, on um on um uh, fuel subsidy, mm. all of them will just say, ah, we will solve the fuel subsidy problem. How? You know the problem Nigerians never ask is how. So you just have a lot of people. Ah, don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of people. We're gonna get all the youth working in. We'll put them in the army and we'll feed mm. them is, and then we will uh, <laughs> do this. How, how are you going to get them? At what that? cost? How are you mm. going? To, how much are you going to pay them? Where's the money going to come from? Yeah. This is we can't even pay for education, and we're bringing in more universities. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking such questions. So, so this 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 problem allows us not to even understand our candidates. Now, if we don't understand the candidates that are running, 
who the hell are we to even go to Dempsey's to start asking questions? Because, okay, I'll give you an example. So a popular actress is, is um, under one of the parties running yeah. for... Uh, two, actually. Uh, okay, two. Yeah, Tonto DK, yeah, Rivers, and then Funke Akindele. Now, I'll tell you what I think. I've said, I've, I've, I think I said this somewhere. I don't think they understand governance well enough. No, no offense. But I must also respect the fact that there are young people who have chosen to stand out. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people mock their interviews, mock them being in position. And I, I, I said to a friend yesterday, and I said, these are people that cannot even win assistant secretary two in their estate. Mm. they've never printed a poster before I've been there I know what it takes to come out it's like putting your x-ray is it putting an x-ray <laughs> on your life and you know every bad thing you've ever said every bad thing you've ever done is being they are thrown to the wind you're putting your entire money and you know I think when you come out as a woman it's even worse because then nobody asks like okay I, I could I could have six league queens and mm. be married to seven women as a man and then I come into and I'm talking about uh, uh I'm running for office. Nobody questions my marital status. But the moment a woman comes into the game, you, are you married? Then that bias comes up. Uh, you understand? And and it's done by, and funny enough, people like to say, oh, we live in a patriarchal society. But I'm being honest, where I've heard it most from is, you know, that gender that doesn't like to claim responsibility. So anyway, back to what we're talking about. So you see, you see this deputy governor uh, issue. The truth is that a deputy governor must be as good as the candidates mm-hmm. that you are presenting. True. And this is because of ineventuality. You can never tell ineventuality mm. of anything happen- happening. That is the next governor. It's not somebody to go and be, uh, uh, or as they uh, condole people on burials and do uh, PTA mm. functions. That's what we look at deputy governors or deputy oh, yeah. president, uh, sorry, vice presidents as. But no, there, if anything happens, and let's remember that when the the incumbent or whether it's in office governor or president is traveling out immediately powers are transmitted by yeah. the constitution mm-hmm. to the deputy so in a situation where you know you have the governor flying around you know trying to help somebody's ambition it means deputy governor actually sitting down in power mm-hmm. wow and, and and that it wouldn't be a good thing if your deputy governor is not abreast of issues now so in the actual sense what should be the the what should Nigerians look out for in a, a deputy or a vice president? Because uh, we've seen people say, okay, uh, Ahmed uh, Baba Ahmed is a very handsome man. He speaks good English. He has universities. We've seen people say, oh, Shetima, he's he's older, but he looks good and all that. We've heard people speak about Kwan uh, Kwan. So he's brought a pastor. And is respected, and you know, over thirty years or forty years in the ministry, and you know, it goes on and on. What really should be our concern? One, the person needs to first understand their jurisdiction of office. Um, this is a problem for Nigerians because even Nigerians don't understand the jurisdictions of office. So it's kind of hard asking them to demand it, so they get the on the jurisdiction of office. So for me. Um, you need to understand the jurisdiction of office. Two, n- you need to understand the temperament of the particular person, uh, the 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 incumbent or the candidate. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, like, I I look at the Buhari Professor Sibanjo as one of the best mixes we've seen in our entire history as a nation. Mm. We remember Obasanjo and Tiku. Well, let's not discuss that. That was War of the Roses. 
Um, we remember Yara um, um, Jonathan. Jonathan was even blanked out. Nobody saw Jonathan until issues started happening around Yara Dra's death. Uh, Jonathan Sambo. I don't even know what Namadi Sambo was doing in that government. <laughs> you basically didn't even see him. And then I think the Buhari Sibanjo, I think, has been a balance. But there have been, I mean, accusations that Oshimaju has been sidelined for a long time. Sidelined? So if you are saying no, all me, those ones let me ask you a question. Seen. I don't know what people expect from the vice president. You see, this is the problem in Nigeria. We already do not understand the jurisdictions of office. So what do you want the vice president to do? He's loyal to a president. His ticket's tied to him. He, he's, he's performed his duties within his capacity. He can't do outside that. There are things that are not within his jurisdiction. As much as you say um, the vice president is the head of the economic committee, it is, a, it is a, what they call it, a feather in his cap. Because constitutionally, the minister of finance is in full control and the, AG, uh, the SGF of all these civil services. So what can the vice president really do, as you're saying? So the truth is, okay, he's the head of economy, figurehead. It's like they called somebody national leader of the party, which is not even, which is a position that is not even constitutional in, in the political party. Mm. So it's ceremonial more than as um, head of finance than all it right. is. As in two team. minutes, can we do this in two minutes? Uh, Baba Ahmed, what are your views on him? Well, I, I would first say that my views would be biased. I grew up with him in Zaire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, so um, Baba Ahmed, um, intelligent politician, northern politician. Um, one time, uh, uh, was in the National Assembly. Mm. Um, McCarthy later took the thing back from him. It was situation of rigging or whatever. Uh, As a gentleman, owns Base University in Abuja. Um, an economist. Uh, part of the we don't give shishi gang mm. uh, <laughs> so, um intelligent young intelligent he's young intelligent young man well you know young, young is relative when it comes to nigeria because if 50 year old people we are saying they are young because we are used to seeing 70s so uh, young is it really young how is he in his 40s no no he's not yet 50 Obama is his, not yet, yes, yeah, I mean, he's, he's in his yet, early forties. No, no, late forties. No, yet. He's, can we say that he's young? Yeah, that for Nigerian con- that, context, that, that's it. But that's you know, Lagos talks riches further. We have people from the UK, from so oh, okay. if they are listening, they say young. No, I think they're even, expecting I a thirty-year-old. No, I think even I wouldn't say young, but I'd say average aged. Exactly. Even for even for the UK standards. All right, so let's let's go. Shetima, Kashim Shetima. Uh, Shetima, former governor of Borno State, serving senator, I, I can't remember which constituency, um, has been has been known with some issues surrounding him and Boko Haram, Kabir Sokoto, who who uh, bombed um, Suleja Catholic Church, uh, was caught in the Borno State Governor Lodge, and um, well, a lot of other issues. You know, he's he's um, it's a Muslim Muslim ticket. Um, it will be hard to play because the North Central is hurting from a lot of headsmen crisis. Mm. I don't think this will play well for them. This also will not play in the South South, which is dominantly Christian, dominantly Christian, and you have Wiki and Udom in full control there. The South East also will not even smell that. They will take that as a Northern Indian plan South. of Fulanization of Nigeria. Mm. So I see a very tough road for the APC. All right, if I your core, if I your core, a brilliant guy, doctor, though he says he can't find the certificate. Anyway, back to the situation at hand. Uh, Ifan Yoko, a brilliant guy, um, served as governor of Delta State. 
uh, they did a little bit well, uh, but quite some massive problems with um, paying pensioners and some other issues. Um, I don't see his real weight, apart from just being he's from the South-South. I don't see any weight politically oh, All right. to the table. And Pastor Idahosa. Uh, Pastor Idahosa, someone who's been in the ministry. I think Juan Koso is trying to push out his northern his northern thought process by getting someone who's also Christian and someone in the of the clergy. Mm. Um, was that a wise decision? Uh, someone from Edo State? I don't really think so. I don't see his political clout to the game. I All think right. he just uh, for me, I don't even see it. Okay, I think this is the best place to draw the curtain right now. Thank you so much. As we build up over the next seven months, we'll see more of you. We'll do what we want to do is clinical analysis, breaking down everything to bits. Like now, we've, we're trying to understand the vice presidential candidacy. We couldn't really focus on that. We swayed here and there, but we will do a lot more talk on this when we maybe take each candidate one after the other to really know what they stand for, look at their past and what they bring on board. Thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure being here again. All right, then. Thank you so much. And that's how we draw the curtain today. It's been a great show. It's been uh, nice being here. Thank you, Kulelawa, uh, for being here. Thank you, listeners. You know, we only entertain your WhatsApp messages and Twitter, uh, your tweets as well. And uh, that is uh, why we're not able to go ahead. Now, someone sends a message. It says, uh, Senator Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed is 53 years old. Okay. He said it on TV. Okay. So, uh, well, thank you for that information. That's why I say our listeners are the most dynamic. We love you. And I'll be back at 11 as we go on with the corridors. For now, I'll be See you next week with another episode of The Conversation.